welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. My name is Chloe Langer, and today we're having a conversation about dignity, the dignity of our work, of our friendships, our relationships, and especially what it means to honor the dignity of others in our workplaces as Catholic women. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Veronica Marinin, and we are talking about the origins of Litany, which is an ethical, sustainable, and Catholic women's clothing line that she's founded. But we're also talking about what it's like to live in the heart of New York City, in the heart of the fashion industry as a Catholic woman, and how Veronica witnesses to truth through beauty in conversations with those around her who don't share her Catholic faith. So often we tell ourselves lies like, I don't know enough, I'm too busy, I don't have all the answers, I don't have it all together. And we let those lies hold us back from sharing about our faith and our relationships with Christ and his church. If you're wondering how to evangelize and honor the dignity of those you work with or your friends who aren't Catholic, sister, this letter is for you. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by my brand new book, Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life. It's published by Tan Books. And if you love the conversations on this podcast, I want to invite you to pre-order the new Letters to Women book, which comes out on March 9th. That is literally just a few weeks away, which is surreal and crazy. And holy smokes, it's so dang beautiful. Pre-orders help authors immensely by letting a publisher know that you are interested in books about the feminine genius. And if you've already ordered your copy, thank you so much for your support. This new book is a collection of 30 letters from ordinary women who live vibrant, faithful lives inspired by the teachings of Pope St. John Paul II. If you pre-order Letters to Women, you also unlock access to an exclusive Letters to Women podcast mini-series. I'm sitting down with the women who contributed letters to the book and getting to know their stories, the stories behind the letters they wrote, and how they live out the feminine genius in their daily lives. One of the episodes in the mini-series that is beautiful and it pairs perfectly with today's conversation that you're going to be listening to is my episode with Megan Ashley from Megan Ashley Styling. Her and I talk about how to approach your wardrobe with both an appreciation of beauty and a spirit of contemplation. That is just one of 10 episodes in the mini-series. So head over to the show notes and click for the link to unlock that mini-series today with your pre-order receipt. You can also head over to my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com for more details. Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life. You can pre-order your copy of this new book on Amazon or at tanbooks.com today. Now, let's dive into this conversation with Veronica. I'm welcoming to the show Veronica Marinin, who is the creative director and owner of Litany. She graduated from FIT with degrees in fashion design, entrepreneurship, and a penchant for historical garments. Her favorite part of the design process is after putting the customer's measurements into the pattern pieces and starting to sew them together when she gets to see how it will fit someone's unique body. She loves her faith, Renaissance paintings of Judith and Holofernes, and period drama memes. Victoria, first, that bio is absolutely amazing. Also, welcome to Letters to Women. So glad for our <laughs> conversation today. Hi, it's great to be here. So we're going to be visiting about the story behind Litany, which is an ethical, sustainable women's clothing line, and how beauty plays a role in healing and understanding of clothes and bodies as women. And then we're also going to talk about what it's like to work in a fashion industry as a Catholic woman. But to start us off, for listeners who haven't had the chance to meet you, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Both my parents had reversions to their faith life um, before I was born. And so... My mom was in a study contest group called St. Pius V growing up. And then my second father, so my first dad passed away when I was young. Um, my second dad is a physicist and he uh, grew up Catholic, but kind of didn't really practice. And then he really kind of came back to his faith in college through research and, and reason. And so both of them 
really have an understanding of what it means to trust in God when we ask questions about our faith, to really come at that from a point of relationship. And so that's really formed my relationship with God. That in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is a Montessori-based religious ed program. So I went through that. Now I'm a catechist. And both of those things together, I think, really formed a very trusting and personal relationship with God that also left space for reason. And I felt very comfortable coexisting, my having my relationship with God and my desire for reason and philosophy coexist in that. And I think that that really is what brought me to fashion design and art and understanding God through beauty and connecting with him through that. So right now I live in New York City. Um, I'm a parishioner at a church in Greenwich Village and I love my community. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love hearing how your family of origin impacts the way that you interact with your Catholic faith today too, to hear your parents' origin stories impacting your story as a Catholic woman, which is just really beautiful for them to be able to share that with you as their daughter and, and to have that impact your, your story. I would love to hear more about your experience in the fashion industry and especially the origin story of Litany, which is an ethical, sustainable women's clothing line that you founded. Where did the idea for Litany come from and how has that dream grown into a reality that it is today? So when I first started going to FIT, I really wanted to make modest clothing because I didn't feel like at that point there weren't a lot of designers creating clothing that was somehow not frumpy and also dignifying. Um, <laughs> and so there was another girl who was going to Parsons, the new school for, for design, who had the same idea I did. And um, that's my co-founder, Olivia Swinford. We met through the Catholic community and through growing in our faith lives and learning about design, learning about sustainability at school, we really, it kind of, our, our idea for Litany really grew from just being about checking the boxes and modesty and helping women dress with dignity in that way to creating clothing that had a sacramental aspect to it that was an outward sign of the inward reality of the person that had a real sense of awe to the reality of our body and soul being one. That's kind of where we've ended up. We both worked for uh, different designers, both in internships and jobs. And we really got to kind of see the ins and outs of the fashion industry and the different places that we saw needed healing, you know, everywhere from the people who actually make the garments to the women who wear them, um, to even like the way that a company is run, um, the way that they take care of their employees. And so putting all of those together is kind of what formed Whitney. <laughs> so then you, you are still working for Whitney and then Olivia mm -hmm. is is part of Litany, but in a different way. Can you speak into her current yeah. role? So she is a postulant with the Dominican Sisters of Hawthorne, New York. Um, and so she, we have one photo of her in her postulant habit and she is just radiant. She's, she's been discerning all through college. And when we started Litany, she knew she was entering, which is part of why we did it when we did. We knew that we had one year. It was such an act of generosity on her part to create something that she knew she was going to be leaving. And so now she's consistently praying for our customers and praying for the work that we're doing. And then she's, you know, living out a very, what you wouldn't think would be a similar mission, but at the core of it really is she takes care of people who have terminal illness. And so she's taking care of people's bodies and we're doing the same. So it's lovely to think about just the, the way that God works in our lives and how 
interconnected we can be with someone even when we don't see them every day. Yes, as I was getting to know Whitney before our episode together, I just, I love the story of you two's friendship and the way that, yeah, like you said, your stories are still very much intertwined when it comes to your stories, Catholic women, and then the roles that you both still play with Whitney, which is absolutely beautiful. I would love to hear more about how your Catholic faith and your understanding, especially of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, impacts and guides what you do at Litany and how your Catholic viewpoint impacts the way that you design clothes. And we talked, you mentioned this, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it, your ethics as a company. What does it mean to treat employees well and, and to function in, in a way that brings them dignity too? Olivia and I both studied theology of the body in college. We would go to talks. We would chat with our chaplain about it at the Catholic Center at NYU. Um, and then we both visited Lourdes on pilgrimage. And we really saw how people's bodies and souls are one. You know, God comes to us and heals us through physical reality. And so that just, it made the sacraments make sense. It made theology of the body make sense. And it made what we wanted to do in design so much more so much more worthy of our efforts because it's not just about making a pretty dress, you know, it's about making something that's going to be clothing someone's soul um, and holding them as they go throughout their vocation um, and interact with other people. Um, we really want these garments to become something that, that changes a woman from the inside out, you know, really helps her understand her worth, her dignity and her beauty as a daughter of God, you know, so that she holds herself differently and she's filled, she's filled up so that she can go and, um, and be a gift to others, help them understand how wonderfully made they are. And so that's kind of where theology of the body has impacted and guided what we're doing. And when it comes to how we design clothes, um, <laughs> we oftentimes would get distracted during mass looking at Father's chasuble, it just creates such cool like shapes and silhouettes and, um, you know, and then even something as simple as how the altar cloth hangs. And I mean, you know, it's just, we found ourselves in design school pulling inspiration from our faith life. And Olivia actually did her, her senior thesis in, as a capsule collection inspired by the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. Just mind blowing. And then she was like, you know, going to class and trying to explain it to her professors. And they were like, mm, we don't really think that like, you know, this is really going to work. But then it was as she did it, they were like, they couldn't argue with her because it was so beautiful. Um, and her thesis presentation, like, you know, she had a poem she had written um, about her interaction with Christ in her prayer life, Sorrowful Mysteries. And she read the poem. And one of the professors just went, well, I don't really think we have anything else to say after that. <laughs> Basically, when I'm designing, um, I come from a place of prayer first. So I really meditate on the inspiration. Our last collection was Lord's, um, and our spring collection is going to be the Incarnation. The choice of the inspiration oftentimes comes from where I'm at in my faith life at the moment. So what I'm finding myself drawn to, what I feel like God is, you know, asking me to meditate on and pray about. And so I came across this quote from St. Catherine of Siena, where she, in a letter to someone, is talking about how God folds over time. He comes, well, I don't know if she actually used the phrase folds over time, but he comes through the same moment of the fall um, with his sacrifice on Calvary. He basically, by becoming a, a man, by entering into our humanity, he 
goes through both of those moments at the same time to redeem it. And so I immediately had this image of fabric folding over and a needle going through both places at the same time. Um, and so then it just, you know, kind of went from there into all of these like pleated ideas and anything from the print can be inspired by our, our prayer life too. Um, and so these are all things that are very, uh, they're very subtle. You know, someone looking at the garment wouldn't know that it's inspired by our faith life, but the woman who's wearing it, um, we have all of that available to her on our website. And so um, our hope is that that changes her prayer life and moves her, you know, so that she can go out and move the world and bring Christ to it. So obviously if we want to be, you know, treating the women who wear our garments with dignity and helping them do that, like we have to do it for the people who are creating those garments too. So, um, you know, that looks like giving someone the most fair wage that we're able to. It means um, going to the factories that we work with and um, meeting the people there if we can, talking to them about their practices, seeing if they have a break room for their staff, because sadly factories in the garment district don't usually have that. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and just really creating a compassionate supply chain where every person in that life cycle of the garment before it gets into our customer's hands um, is treated with dignity and, um, and, and yeah, just treated with the worth that they're created with. The line that keeps coming to mind from John Paul II's theology of the body is that the body makes visible what, what is invisible, this reality that, that we are beloved sons and daughters of God. And I think it's just so beautiful to see that line kind of being traced as you're sharing what it's like to design, as you're sharing about your friendship with Olivia, as you're sharing about the way that you invest into what that process of making the garment is and your, the prayer really for the woman who wears it. So it's absolutely beautiful to see that so tangibly lived out in the way that your company is run. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> We're trying. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I do listen to like, you know, a true crime podcast while I'm sewing, but most of the time I do try to <laughs> that's real i love it (laughs) okay so we're talking about clothing Mm -hmm. today and clothing can be a very loaded topic for a lot of women Mm -hmm. you've mentioned this phrase coming to a place of healing and we're going to keep diving into that here but i think a lot of women when it comes to the way they dress may have memories of things like this quote unquote ideal image or ideal size that they've been striving for based on what society has told them, or maybe they've had an outfit critiqued really carelessly by someone who is close to them. And so what is healing our relationship with our body and clothing look like as Catholic women practically for our day-to-day life? The root of healing means coming from a place of acceptance. You know, God did create our bodies and so they are good. And it's really easy for us to constantly be thinking about how we can be better. Um, But we know from our relationship with God that um, he loves us where we're at. And um, sorry, my cat is eating a plant. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My life. (laughs) But um, I really do think that it comes from accepting ourselves where we're at. And that's so difficult because like you said, um, our, our society doesn't want us to do that. You know, even from the way that clothing is marketed, oftentimes it comes from a place of you're not good enough, but if you wear our outfit, you might be, or you might look enough, you might appear enough, even if you don't feel it, you know? And I think that the key is coming from the 
the inner self, the inner reality before the feeling. Um, or what am I saying? The inner reality instead of just how we appear to other people. Because I think oftentimes so many of us are insecure about something. We don't really show it because we're so, we, we feel like we're expected to, to have it all together and to feel really confident in ourselves. And that kind of keeps us from actually stepping into the healing that we're worthy of and that will actually help us be, be more confident in, in our goodness and how God created us to be. Um, sorry, she's still eating stuff on the floor, so I'm a little <laughs> distracted. <laughs> My gosh. Um, but I do remember that because, like, I, I've always been incredibly thin. And I remember like being in grade school and having girls jokingly tell me like, oh, if you turn to the side, you can't see Veronica. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Like that doesn't make me feel good about myself. And then it came to a point where if I didn't hear those phrases from people, I would think that my body had changed in a way that was undesirable. Um, And so, you know, I, I had situations where like my boss at my first job in high school would consistently comment on my body and it was definitely coming from a place of her being insecure in herself um but she would always say like oh my gosh you're so thin like eat a burger you're so skinny oh my gosh and it was at one point I actually stood up for myself in front of a customer which was probably the scariest moment of my life um but I was like look I was like I am trying my best to be healthy and it's hard enough for me to be confident and comfortable in my body and it doesn't help when you're saying things like that. And it makes me really uncomfortable. And immediately she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think it's just, we're, I think that we're conditioned to, to put ourselves down as a way to make other people feel good or put other people down to make ourselves feel good. When we have this false front up of having it all together and kind of guise of, of being confident, even when internally we're really struggling, it's not only a lie to those we're communicating with because it's not operating from truth but it's also holding us back from healing Mm -hmm. and that is what can really allow us to step into true confidence which is so much more of a healthier and restful place to exist in than the constant work of having to keep up this front Mm -hmm. of having it all together yeah i mean we know that if you want to actually heal something you need to bring it to the light um and so like you can keep something bandaged up but at a certain point you need to actually let it see the air and so I mean, I think for some of us that can look like standing up for ourselves, but I think also it just looks like asking God for the grace to really see our bodies as good, you know? And I mean, I always keep coming back to like Mary and Joseph too. I mean, she was a woman, you know, she is a woman. She, I'm totally confident that she felt uncomfortable in her body at different points. Even if you don't have a mirror, like in front of you, like she probably didn't. You just even just gaining or losing a little weight, it makes you feel so different in your own body. And um, and I remember, you know, I remember talking about this with Olivia because you know quarantine, you know, <laughs> happens. And she was like, "It's not even that I'm worried about how I look because I'm entering religious life. It's just I don't feel like myself, you know." And I think that um, asking God to tell us who we are when we feel like that is really helpful because. Um, he will com- confidently remind us of our worth as his daughter. Yeah, I just, I have found so much peace in asking God to help me look at myself with his compassion because he doesn't care if my jeans are tight on me or loose yeah. on me. Um, I think that that's really 
been a point of healing for me. I love how you've spoken to this experience of your workplace. We're standing up for yourself in front of a supervisor in front of a customer, which as a conflict avoidant person, I totally agree. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Um, really healthy and good, but holy smokes, terrifying. But I would really love what we could have an entire conversation on what that means, standing up for yourself in the workplace. But I would really love to dive into the fact that you are in New York City and at the heart of a fashion industry. And I would love to hear what it's like for you as a Catholic woman to evangelize, especially through beauty in, 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 in that fashion industry and in that environment, which I would, I would assume isn't super pro-Catholic. Tell me wrong, but <laughs> yeah, I Could mean, be wrong, but <laughs> even from like starting in school, I would, you know, I would wake up early and go to mass and before classes and I would always like start to fall asleep during mass and bang my head on the pew while I was kneeling um, because <laughs> in college. Um, <laughs> but sometimes when father's homily ran a little longer, I would be late to class. And I remember going into like, I think it was my second semester going into my pattern making class. And my, we always got there early to like, you know, iron our samples and prepare. And my friends in class being like, oh my gosh, Veronica, you're late. Like what, what happened? You have like makeup on, like you shouldn't be late, you know, <laughs> just come in your PJs. And I was like, no, like I was at mass. And one of my friends turned to me and he was like, oh, like you're Catholic, Catholic. And I was like, yeah. And I realized that um, there was already a bond of trust between me and this friend, um, even though he was living a much different life than I would. Um, he felt comfortable around me because I was just comfortable around him, you know. And so a couple of weeks later, we went and got some fabric on our, on our break. And he was like, I want to, you know, he was like, I need a smoke break. And I was like, I hate cigarettes, but I will sit with you because I, you're, you're great. Um, so we were sitting, I could kind of tell he had something on his mind. We were sitting there and he was like, what does it feel like to know that God loves you? I was like, where did that come from? It's a Jewish man who isn't observant, um, and who's, you know, living a gay lifestyle and, felt comfortable asking me that question. And mm -hmm. I think that that largely came from the fact that we had already developed a relationship before he knew that I had a strong relationship with God. And that's kind of, so that's kind of what I followed because I think a lot of people in the fashion industry have preconceived notions about what a Catholic is like, you know? And so when I'm able to just be super loving with them and joke around with them on set and, you know, be really helpful in moments of conflict. Like, you know, when the, when someone on set wants the exact perfect cup of coffee and you <laughs> have to go to three different stores to get it, um, you know, that, that creates a, a bond of trust with them. And that's how God loves them. You know, God loves them within a place of trust. And so um, that's been really important to me to, to keep trying to do. And I've noticed that, it's been really humbling for me to to realize that a lot of these people were calling me to higher virtue because I thought I'm Catholic, I I have my checklist and I'm doing okay, you know. And then I would meet people who would just if you wanted to crash on their couch, they would offer to you no second thought. Meanwhile, I would be like, oh, well, okay, I was gonna watch Bones after dinner tonight, and you know. <laughs> And now I have to talk to someone and they really showed me these more delicate spots in virtue that I had been overlooking um, and called me to really dive into those more. And I'm super grateful for that. 
And I think that the, the hardest moment I've had um, in terms of evangelization was being on set once. I had a year between um, my last job and starting Litany where I just freelanced as a stylist assistant and did photography and we were on set. And one of the models had, um, I was helping her get changed and she had razor scars in hidden places on her body. That was a really difficult moment because obviously we both know that I'm seeing it, but I don't know her very deeply. And then on top of that too, I'm in a professional environment. So if she was just someone I had met and could be friends with, I might've handled the situation differently, but I ended up just trying to be really kind to her throughout the day, help her feel comfortable. But um, I had never, I, I realized in that moment that most of the models I had been working with before were very confident in their bodies. And I had been kind of like, oh, like, you know, these, these assumptions about models are ridiculous. Every model I've met has ordered a full hamburger and fries on set, you know? And, <laughs> and then I met this woman and I was like, oh man, like there is, there is brokenness in this industry and maybe it's more hidden than I thought it was. That's been hard, but I just want to, to provide a safe space for women to, to feel comfortable going through that healing process, you know, to not have to fit into a box of a size or feel like someone is capitalizing on their insecurities to sell them something. It's been surprisingly fruitful. I was very prepared for lots of debates and arguments um, going into the fashion industry, but the people in this community are artists. And so they really have an appreciation for beauty and they're really willing to, to understand what you believe beauty is. And so that's actually been really humbling. <laughs> John Paul II and, and many other writers throughout Catholicism talk about friendship and relationship as a gift, something that you give and receive. And so I just love hearing you speak into that, that conversation with during a smoke break where I love it. Because it's so real, right? We think, you know, I think it's so easy to have this stereotype of evangelization as uh, I have to know all the answers and I have to have all of my ducks in a row and I have to have my life together until I am able to witness to the beauty of the gospel. And that's not, that's not true. Those are all lies that keep us back from sharing our faith during smoke breaks because that's the reality is, is being able to encounter the person as a person and encounter their story. And I love how you spoke into relationships with people at work or throughout college showing you places that you can grow as a woman who's pursuing the Lord and how maybe those blind spots may not have been something you would have perceived if you hadn't been in relationship and in friendship with these people. And so I think it's just absolutely beautiful because when we shift our, our mindset of being able to really encounter the other as a gift that we are also receiving, I think that totally changes the way that we approach evangelization, especially in the workplace, especially in secular workplaces. And I think every single example that you pointed to was just a really beautiful, tangible, simple way of encountering the other. It's been so much more fruitful when don't have it all together, because then it, it doesn't seem like I'm coming from a place of perceived perfection to this other person. You know, I think it's a lot more accessible. Beauty is so much more accessible to someone when they understand the person who is looking at it with them. It helps someone feel like an equal, you know, that you see them as an equal and, and that you're willing to like ask questions with them. I don't, I, I know personally myself, I would have become incredibly prideful if I hadn't had those friends in my life. And so I'm super grateful for them. So we are just scratching the surface of the beautiful things that Litany creates. So first that 
clothing is made to measure. So every piece that a woman purchases is high quality. It's made exactly for her. Uh, you also do incredibly beautiful collaborations, like the one that you did with Janet Easter of Everthrift to create the Mary Mother of Church, Mother of the Church floral scarf. I would love to hear where listeners can find out more about Lydney and discover, because a podcast is great, but it's never going to do the, your work justice because it's so Thank visually <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely. Where can listeners find more about Lydney? So our website is um, litanynyc.com. And then our Instagram is litany.nyc. <laughs> there are dots that go in different places. It's a little confusing. <laughs> um, and then we're also on Facebook too. And also, yeah, you mentioned the collaboration with Janet over at Everthrift. So their website is shopeverthrift.com. Yeah, we have the, the scarf is, is stocked over there just because it looks so beautiful with uh, Janet's whole aesthetic of the things that she pulls from the shelves so yes we figured that would be a good home for it (laughs) (laughs) it fits beautifully like it's just very it fits her vibe wonderfully Mm -hmm. veronica the last question that i'm going to ask is one that i ask women who come on the podcast and it's this how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life especially as a woman who's striving to encourage other women in the truth that they are enough that they are known and that they're worthy of love i try to come from a place of gratitude in each interaction I have. So that sounds super hippy dippy, but (laughs) (laughs) basically it looks like finding some way to tell the person I'm interacting with that I'm grateful for them. So even if that's over an email um, or, you know, meeting a supplier in person, because I think that to pay attention is to love everything. And if people know that I'm paying attention to the ways that they are offering the gift of themselves to me they will feel loved and they will know a bit more who they are in god's eyes that's the tiny way the big way is is just trying to get out of god's way (laughs) 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 just take it over and um you know write with this broken pencil that's how i feel most of the time Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Especially approaching relationships with relationships with gratitude because you're so right when when someone acknowledges the the gift that you are, there's just such a a moment of grace to encounter and be reminded that the Lord sees you in that way too. So it's absolutely beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks for coming on this the this episode of Letters to Women. This has been an absolute delight and joy to get to know you better and to get to know the story behind Whitney and yeah, for learning more about how you live out the feminine genius in your daily life. Thank you so much, Chloe. This has been so fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to letterstowomenpodcast.com and check out this week's show notes. Or if you're listening in a podcast player, just scroll down to browse through links to find Whitney online and on social media, as well as links to that scarf that Veronica and I mentioned that Whitney created in collaboration with Janet from Everthrift. It is gorgeous. It's so beautiful. You're going to want to see it. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, it would be so appreciated if you left Letters to Women a quick review and let me know how I'm doing and to let other women who are searching for a new podcast to know why you like the show. You can follow along with the podcast and hear the latest book news over on the new Instagram account for the podcast at letters to women underscore podcast. Don't forget to unlock your access code to the exclusive mini series when you pre-order your copy of the new Letters to Women book published by Tan Books. And if you have any questions about the new book or the mini series, send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com or send me a message via Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me. Till next time, be not afraid.